0: Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric brings a timely message from the book of Acts about the call to evangelism in the Christian life. Paul's evangelism showed respectfulness and kindness to his audience as he shared his own conversion story. Furthermore, he appealed to people searching for hope with a reasonable argument about the doctrine of salvation through Jesus Christ. Let us learn from Paul's example as we participate in evangelism to those in our own lives. And now, here's Pastor Eric.
1: Today we're going to talk about evangelism. So, I've titled it simply Evangelism. Let's talk about evangelism. Now, just when we say that word, sometimes you may have certain feelings and emotions that come up in you. Like, maybe fear or hesitancy like, oh no, evangelism, talking to somebody about some guilt and shame, sharing Jesus and I don't know what to say, or or maybe it might be some guilt and shame because sometimes those evangelism sermons are like this, if you don't witness, you're sending them to hell, their blood's on your hands, you know, and you may think, oh man, the guilt or the shame, and I have to tell you too, is even as a pastor, I've planned to preach on this, but the closer that today got, the more that I began to think, oh, don't, don't preach on evangelism. I began to feel accused, accusation of, you, you can't talk about that. You haven't shared your faith enough or you don't share it well or maybe even condemnation, right? feel accusation and condemnation and that's not of God because Romans says there is therefore now no condemnation those who are in Christ Jesus. The enemy accuses, the enemy condemns. Now the Holy Spirit convicts and I can be convicted about evangelism, but that leads me to repent and that leads me to confess and it actually leads me to to trust and obey and to want to do that more and more. And so I even had those feelings of, oh, I I want to, the enemy just wanting to beat me down or me beating myself down. Who who of us has done an A plus job in evangelism? What church does the A-plus job in evangelism? None, right? So I'm not here today to beat us up. Uh, I'm not here to preach those kinds of sermons. I'm here to say, let's take a practical look at evangelism and say, Lord, we confess that this is a a weak spot in our lives. Lord, we want to do better for Your honor and for Your glory. And so I hope today will prove to be helpful. We've made a little sermon uh, sheet for you if you need one. You just slip to the back and right there by the, the Germ-X and the candy. You can Germex your hands and grab a Three Musketeers and you can grab a sermon sheet where you can take some notes. And this is for you to write these things down so you can say, okay, here's some practical things that I can look at and how to share the gospel and how to share my faith with others. So let's pray one more time and ask God for help. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our hearts. And Lord, we pray for boldness, Lord, that you would help us to share the gospel, to preach it well, to know it, to make it known, and Lord, to go out this week and to look for somebody that we can share with, hand a track to, share a word of truth with, and, and be a witness. And so, Lord, I pray that you would convict us, help us to take it to the cross, and then to receive the forgiveness and to go and. Lord, to live differently, to share the good news of Christ Jesus. It's in whose name that we pray today. Amen. Let's talk about evangelism. And let's do so from the book of Acts, Acts 25 and 26. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, it's on page 934 or 935. What we're going to do today is a case study. There have been those who are over evangelism that have done lots of case studies. One professor interviewed lots and lots of college students and he said, how did you convert to Christianity? Tell me your story. Lots of different case studies. We're going to do a case study of one, just one, of the Apostle Paul's evangelism methods. Obviously, he had many different ways that he preached the gospel, that he shared the gospel. and We're going to study one today and say, what can we learn? We're going to ask these questions. Number one, what does Paul share? When he gets the opportunity to share the gospel, to do evangelism, what does he share? Number two, how does he share? How does he share the gospel? So as you open to the book of Acts chapter 25, and we're going to begin in verse 13. Let me give you the context. The gospel of Jesus Christ is now spread far and wide. It's been amazing. Holy Spirit came. The message went forth. And now Paul has been accused and he has been arrested at the temple in Jerusalem. He's now gone before Jewish authorities and he's now appearing before several Roman authorities. And there before the Roman authorities in Caesarea, the Apostle Paul gets the opportunity to share the gospel. And we're going to read it together. Acts 25 verse 13. Now when some days had passed, Agrippa, this is King Herod Agrippa II, and Bernice, perhaps his sister, rumor is they may have been in an incestuous relationship. He was a bad dude. He's related to a lot of the Herods, his forefathers, his lineage, his ancestry. They were bad people too. But they arrived in Caesarea and they greeted Festus. Not Uncle Fester or whatever, but Festus, this other guy that's, that's there. He's a ruler too. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king saying, There's a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans, to give up anyone, before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay. But on the next day, took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion, about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Key verse. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Agrippa knew about Jewish things. He was familiar with that way. He himself, and so he interested. I'd like to hear Paul myself. Tomorrow, he said. You'll hear him. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp. Can't you see it? And they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa... And all who are present with us, you see this man, about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing, deserving death, and he himself appealed to the Caesar, the emperor. I decided to go ahead and send him, but I have nothing definite to write up to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him Before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we've examined him, I may have something to write, for it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand, and he made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they're willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. Memorized all the commands. He was very religious. Verse 6, And now I stand here on trial because of my hope. Because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I'm accused of by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues. And I tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus. With the authority and commission of the chief priest at midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this very purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering You from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds and keeping with their repentance for this reason. The Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here, testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass that the Christ, the Messiah, must suffer and that By being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people, the Jews, and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational, logical words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I wish would pray to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, the governor, and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. When they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man's doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar." This is the great case study of one of Paul's evangelism methods that we're going to look at today. I want you to notice the vital and critical truth of the resurrection. It is so vital. It is so important. It is so critical to everything that's going on. In Acts 25, verse 19, Festus says this, Rather, they had certain points of dispute with Paul, the Jews and Paul. They had this dispute about their own religion, Festus says, about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Listen to a great English pastor, G. Campbell Morgan, writing from the 1920s so the truth of the resurrection abides. Lift the resurrection out of this chapter, and out of this book, and out of the history of the centuries, and what remains. The cross is left. But the cross without the resurrection has no meaning, no power. It is ordinary, tragic, every day a catastrophe, nothing else. To know the importance of the resurrection we turn to another familiar passage in Corinthians. Christ crucified. To Greeks, a stumbling block. To Jews, foolishness. He did not say Christ crucified, the power and the wisdom of God. He very carefully distinguished. Christ crucified is neither the power nor the wisdom of God unless we add to it the words of the apostle. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. The central verity of the Christian faith is the resurrection of the Lord. Take it away, and the cross remains a tragedy, a catastrophe, a blunder in the universe in view of the perfection of the life of the man who died. But this one Jesus who was dead is alive forevermore. And the real force of the gospel of Christianity is the absolute certainty in the souls of men that He is alive. What did they take issue with? The resurrection. The resurrection is the vital, critical truth. He says, Jesus who was dead, whom Paul asserts is alive. On the resurrection, that's where all controversy comes. That's where everything hinges. It's it's a change point. It's the vital truth, and Paul's going to preach it. It's here that we do this case study in Acts chapter 26, where Paul witnesses to King Herod Agrippa the second, I told you, he's a, he, he has some history, he's not a, a very good guy, but he is interested. He wants to hear from Paul. And here we see Paul's defense. It says in Acts 26:1 that Paul stretched out his hand and he made his defense. He made his apology. He did apologetics. He made his reason why he has hope, his reason for believing in the resurrection of Christ. And so in Acts 26, Paul tells of Jesus. He talks about Jesus. It's what we're to do. And here Paul tells his testimony. It's his story. You know, we must have spiritual conversations. We have to have spiritual conversations with our family members and spiritual conversations with our friends and co-workers and, and community members. It's becoming harder to have those spiritual conversations, but we have to have them. Paul has that conversation here. We have to evangelize our family our friends, our community. And what we have to do is we have to proclaim Christ. We have to exalt Christ Jesus. And so Paul gives his testimony. And here's Paul's testimony. Jesus appeared to me. Jesus apprehended me. And Jesus appointed me. Appeared, apprehended, captured my, And and appointed me. Go, be be a witness, be a light. And so I want to show you there on your handout and on the screen Six actions we can learn from Paul's evangelism. Six actions, six things we can do, we can copy. And here's number one. Number one, be courteous, be respectful, be kind. Look at how he begins, verses 2 and 3. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. He starts this way. He's courteous. He's respectful. He's kind. He doesn't go right on the attack. That's your sister, Bernice. Yeah. You know, he doesn't go. Man, you're no king. Bam! He doesn't just blast him for all of his sins. and he, He's courteous. He's respectful. He's kind. And that's the way we're to share. And in this way, you're asking for an open ear. You're asking for an open heart. That's what Paul's doing. Hey, hey, listen to me patiently. I'm going to show the proper respect. I want you to have an open ear. But most importantly, I want you to have an open heart. We don't have to be rude, do we? We don't have to be arrogant. We don't have to attack. Burn it, burn! You know we don't have to. We don't have to do that. We can be courteous. We can be kind. We we don't have to attack, even though we may feel that you know you're going to hell. I mean that just he he starts off with a whole lot of courtesy, kindness, and respect, and we should too. We should build that in. So we, maybe we should care first. Maybe we should do the random acts of kindness and lead up to the point when we actually get to speak. Number two, share your testimony and your experience. Verse 4 and following, he says, My manner of life from my youth was spent this way. And he goes on to talk about how he grew up and how he was a great Jew, how he even persecuted the church. King Herod Agrippa, I, I can, you may identify with this. I once wasn't a believer. I had a whole lot of doubts, so much so that I was like, like a totally against this. Agrippa, can you relate to this? But here's what happened, here's my personal story and experience. On the Damascus Road, the Lord appeared, apprehended me and appointed me to do this, and I was changed and I was obedient to that, and so that's what I'm preaching now. We can always share our testimony. We can always share our experience. Here's some phrases that you can use. Can I tell you what I believe? Nobody can say, well, they can say, I don't care what you believe. But you can always share, this is this is my this is what I believe. Can I tell you what I believe about heaven? Can I tell you what I believe about life, the good news, about the Bible? Or, here's what happened to me, and then you can begin your story. Here's, here's my story, here's what I found out, or here's what I experienced in my life. You, number one, you're being courteous, you're being respectful, you're being kind. Then you're sharing your experience, your personal beliefs, your experience testimony. Here's the, here's the great point. Nobody can deny it. Nobody can deny your personal experience. Nobody can deny your personal testimony. The only way they can is by saying, you're a liar. And a lot of people won't do that. They may say, I don't believe this. I don't believe that. But, but it gets really personal. when They say, I don't believe you because you're saying, here's, here's my personal experience and story. So that's a great way to start. That's the way Paul starts. Number one, respectful And then saying, here was my experience. You you can't deny this. Can I tell you about the change that's happened to me? Number three, appeal to hope. Appeal to promise. And appeal to reason. Did you see Paul do those three things? Look at verse 6 and 7, Acts 26. He says this, And now I stand here on trial because of my hope. He is appealing to hope. In the promise, he is appealing to the the promise, the truth of God's Word, made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes, those twelve brothers that we're studying in Genesis. Hope, there's another hope word, to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, how many times did he use the word hope right there? Three. He's appealing to hope. You know, people are searching for hope. King Herod Agrippa, I'm on here because of this hope that I've found. Maybe you need that hope. Maybe our people need that hope. I'm appealing because of that, this hope. Do you need hope? Are you searching for hope? We need to learn to appeal to hope. Also to appeal to the promise, right? To appeal to truth. And he also uh, appeals to reason. Jump down to verse 25 through 27. Festus gets enough of this and he says, Man, you're out of your mind. You study too much, you're trying to think too much about all this. And Paul real calmly says this. He doesn't attack. Paul said, No, I'm not out of my mind. He's respectful. Most excellent Festus, you just interrupted me. He doesn't say you jerk. But he says, No, I'm not out of my mind. But I'm speaking true and rational words. These are these things are logical. These things are rational, they're believable, they're plausible. And to him I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in secret in a corner, nothing like that. And then he asked this question King Herod, do you believe the prophets? You know, you, you believe those Old Testament writings? I know. I know that you believe. Appeal to hope, appeal to the promise, appeal to reason. People are searching for hope. People are searching for truth. Might this be the truth that you're looking for? Can I share? Might this be the hope that that you haven't found? Have you ever considered that this might make sense? That this is a logical worldview to have? Number four, show that it's reasonable. Show that it's plausible. Show that it is logical. Let's put those on the screen. Here's the fourth action. Show that it's reasonable, that Christianity is a reasonable view, it's a reasonable belief system, that it is plausible, that it is logical. Look at what he does in verse 8. He raises a question. And this is the question. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Why does that sound extreme to you? How, this is a logical thing. This is a this is plausible. This is reasonable. Why do you not believe in the resurrection? Why why have you not considered that? You have a lot of beliefs in Rome. Why is it thought incredible by any of you? He's showing that it it's reasonable. It's it's plausible. It's logical. Jump down to verse 25, which we just looked at. He says, "I'm not out of my mind, but I'm speaking true and rational." words you see a lot of people today go christianity that's not a valid position well yes it is yes it is it's it's valid it's it's logical many many wise people have come to this conclusion many people smarter than me and you have done all of the study and they have concluded yes there is a god Yes, Jesus Christ is who he said he is. Yes, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And they can write about it in words that make us go, like they do apologetics, right? It is a totally valid, plausible, and logical belief system. And it makes sense. Uh, Pastor Timothy Keller is one that writes, and he writes great books about it, deep things that I read and go, man, this guy has really thought about it. yes. It's, this, this is reasonable. This is valid. Everybody wants to write it all. Oh, you foolish for thinking that. No, no, not that easy. We also need to do this. We need to learn to show that all positions require faith and reason. When we come to believe and trust in the cross and resurrection and trust in Christianity, we are exercising both faith and reason. And guess what? So is skepticism so is the, the scientific type of worldview. They say, well, we have, we've reasoned this out and we've logically concluded it. And, and when they come to the end of theirs, guess what they still have to base it off of? Faith and reason. Because in a lot of ways, you can't prove or disprove God. And whatever position you come to, you, you're operating off of faith and reason, and it's us also helping the other person—the atheist, the skeptical, the scientific—helping them see you, you do have a set of faith beliefs that you're operating from too. You, you've also put reason to work, but you've also uh, expressed a, a certain type of faith. So we have to show them: look, this is plausible, this is logical, this is reasonable. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing. Number five, the fifth action we can learn from the Apostle Paul, and this is such a great one is. Share the doctrine of salvation through Jesus. Share the truth. Share the theology. Share the message. And this is what he does in verse 18 through 23. He says this, God sent me. And he starts to give the doctrine of salvation. What happens in conversion? Opening their eyes. Enlightenment. So that they may turn Repentance from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness, that's the doctrine of salvation, of sins. And a place among those who are set apart, how? By faith in Christ. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I wasn't disobedient to that heavenly vision. Would you be? Right? This is is my experience. You would act on something like that. But he said, I went to preach. Declared it first to those in Damascus. Then in Jerusalem, then throughout all the region of Judea, also to the Gentiles, that they should, here's the doctrine of salvation, repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. For this reason, they tried to seize me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God. So I stand here testifying, doesn't matter who you are, small or great, saying nothing. Nothing. But what the, the promise of God, the prophets, the Moses, the law said would come to pass. That the Messiah, here's the doctrine of salvation, would suffer, cross, death, burial. And that by being the first to rise from the dead, resurrection, would proclaim light, salvation, both to our people, to Jews and to Gentiles. What did we do? We, number five, we share the doctrine of salvation. So there are two key doctrines that he, that he mentions. A, repentance, and B, the death and resurrection. A repentance, verse 20. He preaches that. When He shares, He gets to a point where we have to repent, we have to turn away from darkness to light, away from Satan to God, we have to turn away from our sins to God. He's sharing that in the plan of salvation. He also preaches in verse 23, the death and resurrection of Jesus. He does it in just one verse. Isn't it amazing? You have to know, like, I'm on the elevator, i got to share something. Do I get the one minute version to witness? I'm with my neighbor. Do I get the five-minute version? Do I get the 20-minute version with the family member? And you have to say, all right, what words do I use? Share the doctrine of salvation through Jesus. You need to talk about God, sin, Jesus, and man. You need to talk about God, who He is, sin, that fallenness, Jesus, what He's done, and then man, what's our response? Number six, pray, pray. In verse 29, he says, whether short or long, I would to God, I pray that you would become just like me, except minus the chains. I wish you wouldn't like that. I wish to everybody, Agrippa, Bernice, Festus, all the people that are here, I wish you would believe. I'm praying for that. I would to God. So pray. Pray. Because our help comes from God. He said that in verse 22. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God. Why? Because we pray. We also, as we pray, we stay focused on the main thing. Even when he's interrupted. Even when he's ridiculed. Right? Festus, you're out of your mind! He's mocking him and he's interrupting him. When you're sharing the gospel, even when you're interrupted, even when you're ridiculed, you pray. You you don't get sidetracked. You constantly focus on God and just keep sharing. Stay focused on the gospel. Stay focused on the main thing. And what Paul does is he invites this king to bow his knee and to bow his heart to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So as we study this case study of Paul's evangelism, we see the six actions that we can learn in the way that he shares, right? He's courteous, respectful, he's kind, he shares his testimony, his experience, he appeals to hope, to promise based on that and reason, shows that it's reasonable, it's logical, it's plausible. He shares the doctrine of salvation. He mentions repentance. It's man's response. He mentions death, burial, resurrection of Christ. He prays. He prays. So what are six practical tips for evangelism that I can give you? Just Eric's six practical tips. I thought I'd love to interview some pastors and say, what's just a practical tip when you share the gospel? Okay? So here are six practical tips I want to share with you. Number one is this. Remember that conversion is a process and is normally gradual. It's a process. It's normally gradual. Verse 29, he says, whether short or long. You're going to persuade me, Paul, in such a short time to become a Christian, King Agrippa says. In just this moment, you try to... Paul says, look, whether it's a short time, like a Damascus Road type thing, or whether it takes many, many years, I just pray that you would convert. We need to remember that the Damascus Road experience is not the norm today. It can happen. It just doesn't happen often. It's not the norm, right? How did you come to faith? How do most people come to faith? It's a process. Time. Different people share. I forget how many times they say that somebody has to be, you know, encounter the gospel. It's something like 10, 12, 15. I don't know, but what it's telling us is, is that Conversion is a process. It's normally gradual. Multiple people sharing over multiple different times. Number two, remember that evangelism is often collective and a communal experience. What do I mean by that? I mean, oftentimes it takes many people sharing. Evangelism is collective. She shares in children's church. She shares in Sunday school. Somebody shares in VBS. We share from the pulpit. You share at home. Many people are collectively sharing the gospel and doing evangelism. You're doing it with your coworker. Somebody else is doing it with your coworker. Some, uh, some, they're hearing it somewhere else. It's, it's a communal thing, right? So, this is what the first two tips tell me time plus others means, therefore, that the pressure's off of you. Isn't that great? The pressure's off of me. Why? Because it normally takes time. Probably not going to happen just like bam. It, and it's oftentimes going to take others, so the pressure's not on me. Time, number one, plus others, equals pressure off my shoulders. It's, it's, it's off of me. The Holy Spirit is the one who converts a person. Amen? It's not, it's not, the pressure's not on you. It's the Holy Spirit. and He uses time and a process and He uses people. So we have to remember those things. Now, We have to also remember this, that we're always going to have to battle fear. Guess what? I have to battle fear constantly. Does it ever go away? I don't think so. Okay? So if you're thinking like maybe one day it'll go, it just ain't going to happen. There will always be fear when we share our faith. But what does faith do? Faith moves forward. It's not the elimination of fear, it's just pressing forward by faith. I'm scared, I'm anxious about sharing the gospel, but by faith, I move forward. Love moves forward. So stop waiting for fear to go away. A lot of people say, "Wow, well, I don't know, I can't share my faith. We gonna start, we're going to talk about evangelism today. And I, I can't do that. I don't know. No, no, we, you, can, you can do that, right? Um, I, I'll do it when I know enough. No, stop. Don't wait for that. I'll do it when I'm not afraid. No, stop. You'll never. Be, every time it's going to be there. What, what are we to pray for? Just what the early Christians prayed for boldness and help. God give me boldness because I'm a little bit anxious and fearful. I don't know how this is going to go. Right? There's something spiritual to that. It's a supernatural battle. But remember, it's a gradual process. Remember, other people, the Holy Spirit's using others, and remember it's not all on you, right? So you don't just, yes, be anxious and fearful, but but just move forward. Keep pressing forward. Number three. A practical tip that I think is very helpful today. Ask questions. Ask questions. In verse 8, Paul asks a question. It's a why question. Why do you think it's unbelievable to believe in resurrection? Why? Why do you think that? Why? We could ask a lot of questions. What? Here's a great question. What do you think? And then just listen. What are your beliefs? And then just listen. And if the Holy Spirit leads you in it, then faith. if the Holy Spirit doesn't, then you just learn, what do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about hell? What do you believe about truth? Or you could ask this question, "Why do you think? I, I just couldn't believe in a God that allows so much evil and suffering, and you're thinking, "I don't know how to answer that. don't answer it. Turn their question into, why do you think they're suffering? You just bounce the ball back in their court. Right? You guys believe in hell. Why do you not believe in hell? See what you did? You just asked another, you just asked a question. Why do you think? Why do you not think? Why do you think? Why, why, why do we always feel like we've got the ball and all the pressure's on, the, the, the you know, the pressure is, is on. Hey, that that it's also on them. It also rests on them. You know, if I believe this and that, yes, but it's also on you to tell me why not. Why do you think? Why do you not believe? Why do you believe? Here's a great question. Have you ever considered? Have you ever considered the Bible? Have you ever considered that there might be more? to? Have you ever considered about... This? That's a great question, right? So we ask questions. Or we turn their question into a question. Right? Uh, just, just like turning their questions into a, into a question. Saying, have you, have you ever thought? Maybe you haven't really discovered what Christianity really is all about. Right? That's one of the things that I did in Austria... I tried to, to tell people in Europe, um, to get them to, to, to understand, I said, uh, you, know, you know, maybe you haven't tasted the real thing, and I used illustrations about a drink, like they like this, this drink, it was real ginger based, called Alma doodler or whatever, and I was like, you know, if somebody said, this is almond and gave you milk, and you said, well, I don't like almond and then, you know, you, you'd go away and go, oh, I don't like almondoodle. I don't like that at all. It's terrible. But you really had milk. You hadn't tasted the real thing, right? So I tried to help them understand, well, maybe you've tasted and said, oh, Christianity. I don't like Christianity. Maybe you never really tasted real Christianity. You never really had the real thing. You know, trying to ask questions. And well, what do you believe? We talked with some guys from um, the Middle East and other people that were there in Europe. And just, just asking questions, just having conversations. What do you guys... Believe, and, and then you're you're getting into this discussion, and that's a good thing. Here's the fourth practical tip, and this is really good, really helpful. Think it through. Write it out. Use a tool. Here's the point that I'm trying to get across. We must prepare, right? I don't stand up on Sunday and just go, however spiritual that may sound, like, Lord, just, man, just speak through me and give me all these words and... Like, I, I have to prepare, right? I, I want to th- think it through. I, I write it through, some of it. I mean, obviously, there's not everything is, but I've kind of got some bones of where I'm going, right? Why do you think evangelism is any different? Like, okay, God, I'm going to witness. Just give it to me. and It, it just doesn't work that way. When I share, it doesn't work that way. In Europe, in Nicaragua, wherever I'm sharing, I... I on the way there, or before I encounter I'm already thinking, how am I starting this conversation? When we go to the new movers and we're knocking on the door, I'm already thinking, all right, Eric, how are you going to begin? And am I scared? Yeah, okay, but how am I going to begin this? And what am I going to... So we have to think it through. How are you going to share with your neighbor? How are you going to share with your family member or your friends? If you don't think it through, here's another thing. Write it out. What is the gospel? Have you ever written it out? I, I did. I wrote it out. What, what, if you share the gospel, and you can only share it on one page of, sheet of paper, what, do, what is the gospel? What do you put in? What do you leave out? What do you say about God, man, our sinfulness, Jesus? And then what does it take to be saved? You're going to add baptism or not? I don't add it. As Baptists, we don't add it, right? What, what are you going to say? How, how, and then also, what language are you going to use? Would oh, you like to accept Christ? What does that mean to somebody that doesn't have any clue with about right? Like so think it out one reason why a lot of, so many of us we don't witness is because we've never thought it through. we've never written it out. We don't know how we would share. We've never given it any thought. I don't know why. What is the gospel? Think it through. Write it out. What is your story? Think it through. Write it out. Write your testimony out. How could you begin? Think about it. How can I start this conversation? What would I say? What are some points? Do you know what? This is the third time in the book of Acts that Paul shares his testimony. Chapter 9, chapter 22, chapter 26. Sometimes when I'm reading it, I think, Luke, why in the world are you putting this in here for the third time? We've read it. I read it in chapter 9. I read his testimony. I read it in chapter 22. I'm reading it again in chapter 26. And it's sort of the same every time. But just like you would tell a story, sometimes you add some different things when you tell it. not untrue things. You just leave out different. And Paul does that too. What does that tell us? Paul had thought this thing through. When he goes, King Agrippa, let me tell you something. He knows what he's going to say. He has thought it through in his head. He knows he's got some points in his testimony that he wants to share. All right. The last little thing I put there is use a tool. Use a tool. What are some tools? There are tools like tracks. Do you know we have about ten different tracks there, and they're for you to use to share. We've they've been there a long time, so people aren't picking them up because I'm not having to replace them. Take one today and say, all right. By the end of the week, I'm going to share this with somebody. Did that make you nervous when I said that? It probably did. But it's as easy as just going boop and you ain't even got to talk to them, right? I'm just like you. I'm nervous to death to leave the church. Pick up a track and go, here's something I can do today. I can I can leave that for some. There are so many tools that we can use. Use a track. We use them all the time. Use a video, a, a, a link, something on Facebook. Use you. There are so many evangelism tools that we can use now. Use links. Here's a great thing. Use a tool like events. Do you know where it's most easy for me to share the gospel? At a church event, when we're all in the square, when we're doing new mover outreach. Because it's natural there. That's that's what I'm there for. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Use a tool. Share the gospel. You want to know how? Make use of the events that we put on. Make use of the programs that we put on. Sometimes I think the greatest tool that was given to me to, to share the gospel is... Being a pastor, it's a, it's a tool. It's an opportunity. It, it, uh, it, it, like I guess I was, you know, one of the things to call on my life is, Lord, I want to use, I want to share the gospel and preach the gospel, but I don't really know how. You know, the easiest way is become a pastor and a preacher, right? It gives me the opportunity. Right? If you will use the tools, the tracks, the, the handouts, if you will be a part of the events and programs, if, if you'll do that, it'll open up a door where that's, this is what you are to do. But we're Christian. We're supposed to share wherever we go, right? But we need to. Number five, the fifth tip, almost done. Do pre-evangelism. If you don't want to share like the, the full gospel and do evangelism, there's nothing wrong with doing pre-evangelism. And so, share a word of truth. Here's what we could say to do. Pray, care, and share. Number one, just pray for the person. Then number two, care for them. Do something kind in Jesus' name. And then share. And you can do pre-evangelism by sharing a word of truth. What's a word of truth? It's just something short and specific that goes a really, really long way. Here's here's an example of pre-evangelism. Hey, Jesus loves you. Awesome. You didn't have to go, you repent, death, burial. You, you, you did pre evangelism. You said, Jesus loves you. That's important. Here's another phrase that you might use God is good. Yeah, but God is good. Well, I, you know, yeah, the, the Bible is, is true. I believe the Bible. Or, yeah, my Bible reading this morning, this is what. I, you, it's just something short that gives glory to God. It points to God or it points to Christ. Here's another word praying for you that lets them know something, right? Um, there's a track that I run at in, in Calhoun, and there's this guy that every, every time he passes somebody, every time I pass, him, I'll pass him a couple of times, he'll, he'll say this, have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. And I'm thinking, there's a, a lot of great people up, up there, but I'm, I'm thinking that he's, he's witnessing, but sometimes I want to stop running and go, hey, blessed by who? You know, I want, hey, blessed by who? Well, God. What, what God? I want, to, I want to pride more, okay? I need to do that. So maybe that's my application. I, I had to go running and find the guy. But right, he's, he's giving a word of truth. I'm thinking, what if we just changed it? As one guy, one former pastor. He likes to use that Jesus loves you because that gets real specific, right? It's pointed to Christ. That's a great, hey, instead of saying, have a blessed day, what if you said Jesus loves you? Right? I don't know. It's pre-evangelism. There's one guy that says, um, my way of doing it beats your way of not doing it. So he'd say, don't judge my methods I'm giving you. I'm throwing it out there. My way of doing something beats your way of doing nothing, right? Number six, and we're done. Here's the sixth and most practical tip I could give. Learn a presentation method. Learn a presentation method. Learn a way to share. You know, you you did it back in the day, the four spiritual laws or the Romans Road. Learn something that will help you share. Knowing the gospel is one thing. Communicating it is another. And that's the truth. I know that you can know the gospel and I can know the gospel. To communicate it, that can be a little bit more hard, a little more intimidating. That's a, that's a little harder. That's the next level, right? Know the gospel, yes. Communicate it. Okay, so what do we need to do? Master the basics. What are the basics of the gospel? And then use your own style. Use your humor. Use your stories. Use, use your style the way you like to do it, all right? If you're the track person, then, then go with that, right? Use a tool. There was a man in our, our church formerly. I prayed with him all the time. He, he passed away of cancer. I loved the guy. He went to the craft store and bought these little red rock jewels. You see these you know, you little bowls of things? And that, that was his word of truth. He would say, hey, I want to give you something. Christ died for you. And he'd hand him that little blood thing. That's a great way of doing evangelism, doing something. right? And If it led to more conversation, he could share with them. But find something that's your style and share. There are a lot of things that work. Find something that works. And so here's one that I use. I'm going to put it on the screen. I know you can't see this um, in all of the details. You've heard me share it before. But it is the thing that I use, and it's G-O-S-P-E-L. And sometimes I can do G-O-S-P-E-L like I did even Friday at the high school. I do it in middle school, elementary, but... I'm, I can also do it in my head where it doesn't come across as something childish, but it's also giving me points to think through as I share. So I'm sharing this. Hey, what do you believe about God? Hey, can I tell you what I believe? Or, or here's, here's what I used to use. I used to use this like a survey. I used to say, hey, do you believe in heaven? That was the question that I asked. Do you believe in heaven? And then just listen. If they say yes, cool. If they say no, then fine. Listen and say Okay, if, if no, then that, that's okay. Then you could say, well, I believe in heaven. Can I share with you what I think about heaven and what I believe it takes to get there? And most, yeah, and then I share. They said they don't believe, fine. But can I share it from you? Okay. Or do you believe in heaven? Yeah, what do you think it takes to get there? And in the South, you're going to get all sorts of religious answers. Be a good person. And do the, well, here's what I believe. And then, now I'm sharing the gospel. And this is the way I share in my mind. These are the points that I think through. Gee, there is a guy. The God created us to be with him, right? You heard me say that? Oh... That our sins separate us from God, right? You can use the Romans. I mean, you're introducing sin. S sins can't be removed by good deeds. Now I'm showing them that, hey, what you said about getting to heaven and you know believing that by being a good person, I'm I'm, I'm correcting some doctrine. I'm preaching doctrine. P paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. I'm 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 doing doctrine. E everyone who trusts in Christ, faith alone in Christ alone has eternal life. L life that's eternal means we'll be with Him forever. Raise your hand if you've heard me say that little spiel before, right? Learn learn something. Or the ABCs, right? Something that we can say, okay, now I know that I can share, right? Remember, conversion's a process. Remember, other people are going to be involved. Remember, let's learn to ask questions. And when you're stumped, say, I don't know, but I found out. Or turn their question into a question. Bounce the ball back. The pressure of belief is not on you. It's also on them. Number four, think it through. Write it out. Oh, that we would do that. Use a tool. Do it today. Do pre-evangelism. Share the word of truth. Let's let's aim to do that and then learn a presentation method. As we close, Brother Andrew's going to come and lead us in some uh, application, time of response. But I want to give you three points of application today. Number one, make sure of your own salvation. How can you share with others something that you've never had? Peter says, make your calling, and your election, sure. What he's saying is make sure that you're saved. Make sure that you're a Christian. Make sure that you really know the gospel. Number two, the second point of application is this. Plead for the salvation of others. Who will you pray for today? Who's God brought to your mind? Pray for somebody. We don't don't witness because we don't pray for the lost, right? I don't enough. I'll confess that. Let's start to pray more. Who will you pray for? What family member and friend will you pray for? And then number three, seize the opportunity before you. There's so many opportunities. I, I had them this week and I didn't take them. So did you. There's so many opportunities and we just, just pray, God, help me to see the opportunity and to seize it. To say, when they say something that I can get a foot in the door, help me to seize the opportunity. So I want you to ask this question two, twofold. Who will you share with this week? And how will you do it? Who's it going to be? And how are you going to do it?
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.